I'm your host, Anthony Schulte. Joining me today is Derek Steele. What's going on? Jack Hegerberg. Hello. And for the first time in Sweet Seats history, a special guest, Lake Oren Girls Basketball Varsity Head Coach, Mr. Bob Bridges. Good day, everybody. How are you today? Good. And you guys? Everything going? Doing great. Good. So you and your girls have had an incredible season thus far with the current record of 12-2 and two through 14 games. What are you most impressed with this season so far? We've seen a lot of growth in some of our kids from last year to this year. We, you know, we, we have some, some really, really great athletes this year that have stepped up and really led us on a, a, a fun run so far, and it's just getting started. I mean, we still got six games a season left and districts to follow, but 12-2 and two is a nice start, 7-1 in the league with another shot at Rochester coming up. Talking about that Rochester game, you let the post players, they're both freshmen, score, I believe it's 22 out of their 39 points. What's your plan to be able to stop those post players when you play them at Rochester? We definitely got to make sure that uh, we play a little tighter with those guys, keep them off the boards. You know, they, they got a lot of putback points. But uh, we, we actually think that we need to push the ball a little bit more too, make them run up and down the floor a little bit with us, play our game instead of playing a half-court game with their style. Coach, with the 12-2 uh, and two record, what do you think has been the key to your guys' wins? What do you think has been the most important factor to the games you've won? You know, when you look at our team, we're built on defense. We, we start there and work our way out. I think we've had, of 14 games, we've had seven or eight of the 14 games. We've had eight or nine scores. It's not like, you know, we, we have one kid that we rely on every game to, to bail us out scoring-wise. We've had multiple different scoring leaders this year. And again, you know, every game, six, seven, eight, nine kids, you know, putting it up on a scoreboard. But defense has definitely led the way. Do you mind talking about the districts at all? You have Stony Creek in your district here at Rochester, both teams you've lost to, then Utica, Eisenhower, Romeo, and there's one other team I'm blanking on. Rochester Adams. Rochester Adams, thank you. Do you mind talking about that at all? Yeah, no, no problem. Um, we do have a, a, a tough district with us and. You know, Rochester only has two losses. Stony Creek has more losses, but they're playing in the red division. Their losses have been to uh, Clarkston and West Bloomfield, where our, our losses are obviously to Rochester and Stony Creek. Uh, I, I'll reiterate to anyone, though, that we can play with both those teams and have a good chance of beating both those teams. We were tied in both of those games at halftime. We had a bad third quarter against Stony Creek, and we had a rough second-half shooting against Rochester. And if, if, if we shoot the ball where we normally shoot it, 33 34%, double our points. You know, now you're talking it's a 44-39 game instead of a 39-22 game. So would you say you need to work on keeping your momentum going? Because I just heard you say that, like, in the first half you were tied, but then you tend to lose it in the second half. So I, I don't even know if it was momentum. You know, sometimes you get into certain things where, you know, your shots just aren't falling. You know, maybe, maybe they made an adjustment on where you're getting your shots from. And we have to do a better job of actually just maintaining our focus on playing our game and not letting them dictate to us how we're going to play in the second half. Do you want to talk about that really special 2023 class? You got um, Audrey Wishmeyer, you got Kylie Heck, Maddie Ebert. You got some really good players. Taylor Denda just came to mind. Do you mind talking about any of them really quickly? You know, this 2023 class has been fun to watch grow. Um, you know, we had two of them. Maddie Ebert, Kylie Heck came up as freshmen full-time. Uh, the, the next year, Taylor Dinda came up as a full-time uh, varsity player. And then we still had the five-quarter rule, which was initiated, where Audrey Wishmeyer, Jody McCaffrey, and Chloe Wiegers all came up. 
uh, for five quarter rules and ended up playing a big part because we had so many injuries down the stretch last year. So watching them come back this year with all that experience has really helped us. Now here's the best part is they're still not done. They're only juniors. Uh, of my top 10 players right now, top 10 kids in a rotation, nine will be back again next year from a team that's 12 and two right now. So do you believe that, um, oh, I'm blanking right now. Sorry. I had a question. Overall, when you when you look at this team, though, I mean, the way it's built, um, it's allowed us to do some really good things with the girls' program. We don't have to rush kids to varsity anymore. You know, we have some really nice freshman players and a couple of sophomores. One of the sophomores is on varsity now. Another sophomore plays five-quarter rule minutes, Lexi Strohsheim. Ryan Palchik is on varsity and is doing a nice job. She's growing. But we have kids like Charlotte Poplowski, Izzy Witlinski, um, Lily Withridge, uh, Mackenzie Tabish, Mel Guccione. These are all freshmen that are playing freshman or JV, where literally in some cases they might they might be playing varsity basketball because there's not enough depth. Because of this 2023 class and the amount of depth that it provides us, we haven't had to rush anybody up to do that. So do you believe it's important to get some of these young players some more experience in the varsity games for when they're older? Well, it's been nice for us to not have to, again, like I said, rush. But the five-quarter rule has really offered us um, uh, an opportunity to go ahead and get their feet wet. You know, Ryan Polchick's played uh, full-time at varsity this year. You know, she's averaging about nine minutes a game, ten minutes a game. Uh, but Lexi Strohshine has also been playing full minutes JV, and then coming up and getting minutes varsity as well. As well, uh, she had a nice little stretch in the third quarter on Friday night against Rochester Adams. And I think watching these kids feed off that 2023 class because of what they've developed has been good for our program. Final question: Do you want to kind of kind of dive into what the five quarter rule is, just so our listeners can understand what it is a little bit more? I'd be happy to. So. The MHSAA came out two years ago and said, from now on, every day that you play a game, a player is capable of playing five total quarters. Well, as we know, there's only four quarters in basketball. So we're able to split the time. So uh, let's just take one of our, our five-quarter rule sophomore, Lexi Strohshine. So she plays three quarters for JV. She can come up and still play two quarters at varsity that exact same day. Last year, we were able to do that with three players. Chloe Wiegers, Jody McCaffrey, and Audrey Wishmeyer all played five-quarter rule minutes. And there were a couple of games where it came in big. Um, you know, we played Berkeley last year with a chance to clinch our share of the OAA blue title. Audrey Wishmeyer was a five-quarter rule kid. She came in, and we were only up three. She hit five threes in the second half. And we ended up winning that game by 26. So you're starting to see some development um, of these kids because they are being in, able to initiate in these five-quarter rules. Well, we're going to switch gears here, and we're going to talk about um, some professional basketball. The Detroit Pistons had an incredible win on Sunday, coming back from down 15 to nothing in the first quarter to win it 115 to 105 against a really great, really young Cleveland Cavaliers team. Kay Cunningham had 19 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, 4 steals, all while not scoring a single point in the first half. Sadiq Bey also chipped in with a quiet 31 points. I just want to get y'all's opinion and take on that victory on Sunday. Man, I really think that triple-double from Kate Cunningham not scoring in the first half, that's basically, in my opinion, pit him as the front runner for the MVP race. 
you really it brought it down between um, Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, and a couple other players. Uh, Jalen Green for the Houston Rockets. In my opinion, that triple-double really solidified Cade Cunningham's legitimacy for Rookie of the Year because he did it while playing against Evan Mobley. Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, Evan Mobley's had an amazing year. Cade Cunningham missed the first, I believe, couple months of the season because of the... I think it's safe to say Cade Cunningham is going to be top three voting for the Rookie of the Year. By the way, that'd be the second year in a row the Pistons have someone running for Rookie of the Year, mm-hmm. where it was uh, Sadiq Bey last year and then Cade Cunningham this year. Sadiq Bey was third last year, and Cade Cunningham right now, he's second on the rookie ladder behind Evan Mobley, but that came out last week, so that was before Sunday's game, so Cade might ju- uh, jump uh, Evan Mobley there. And um, just like this entire season, this entire season, I feel like Kate Cunningham, he had that ankle injury at the beginning of the year, missed the first month or so of the season with that ankle injury. He comes back, and now he hasn't had the same training camp, the same, well, he played summer league, but he didn't have the tra- same training camps, the same preseason, the same preseason workouts, and the same beginning of the season as someone like Evan Mobley has had, as someone like Scotty Barnes has had. So the Kate Cunningham being able to come in Kind of like get himself adjusted. Not really, didn't really play great his first like couple weeks, but then get adjusted. Now he's having these games where he's had like 34 points against the Nuggets. He's had some really good moves. He's had some really good late game decision making threes. Like he knows he can make these incredible shots. So I feel like um, Kay Cunningham's kind of like really like everybody was kind of doubting him, especially since he's on a team like Detroit. But now he's starting to kind of be like, okay, I'm the rookie of the year. He even said he was like, I know I'm the rookie of the year. So. You think- Cade Cunningham is the future of the Pistons organization? No. No, he's not. He's part of the future. He is not the singular future. I feel like Jabari Smith or Paolo Banchero is coming to Detroit next year in one of the first couple picks. And I feel like we're going to get a star maybe like DeAndre Ayton, Zach Levine is someone that I kind of want to come to Detroit. Maybe someone like a Bradley Beal could come to Detroit. We need we need to get a star with our $50 million cap space this season. This so do you think they should this season be aiming for a draft pick or try to place better? Or do you think they should just start going for the future? It's definitely the latter. Lottery pick because there's no guarantees you're going to get the fir- the first overall pick. It's not like the NFL where you have the worst record. You're going to get the first overall pick. I think the Pistons had the third or fourth best odds last year. Third, so if you have the top three odds, if you if you're the three worst teams in the league, you're guaranteed that a top three pick. It's just d- depending on whether or not you um you win the lottery or not and where you place. But going back to my pick is the Pistons, I believe, have the second or third worst record in the league right now. Do not, do not quote me on that. The first is the Magic. Magic, then the Pistons, then which the Pistons. the Pistons lost to the Magic last week. Mm-hmm. So going back to my, you're not really, in my opinion, you're not really going to get those, you know, Steph Curry, those LeBron James caliber players. No. But you're going to start seeing, I think, those like Jeremy Grant, those Kelly Olynyks that can kind of come in and start shaping the future of Detroit. So going back to your question, Jack, I really think both, where you need to start drafting for the future by getting a a Paolo Benchero, a Jabari Parker, someone like that, but you also want to start getting those veteran players that can come in and play like a Jeremy Grant role, where Jeremy Grant's bowled out his year plus in Detroit. He's had the thumb injury, which, by the way, I saw something saying there's a good chance he's returning tonight against... They were not on the injury report last night. The 7.30 injury report last night did not include Kelly Olenek or Jeremy Grant. So they're, 
I wouldn't say they're guaranteed to play because Casey might still might say, hey, they're still there's out. There's a chance. There's, 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 a, there's more of a chance than them being out on the injury report last night at 730. But Kelly Olenek or Jeremy Grant could both say, hey, I'm not playing today and, or I don't feel good. I don't want to. I feel like I could re-injure it. So it, it, it could go either way with those two. To you guys' earlier point, though, with, with Kate Cunningham, you know, missing preseason is one thing. Missing, like, even some of the some of the initial, you know, workouts. All of that's well and good as far as development as a player. But what, what most gets missed there is the ability and what you're starting to see now is the development of a team aspect. Where do I fit in on this team? Where, where am I supposed to score versus Sadiq Bay? Now, what you've seen over the last couple of weeks is Sadiq Bay Cade step it up because Jeremy Grant's been out. Now Jeremy Grant comes back. Now we have to readjust again. And there's a whole new balance again as to where the points are going to be scored, who's taking what shots. So those are all things that got missed by them in the preseason, which led to a horrible start. And Dwayne Casey even said that there's going to be players like Hamdu Diallo that stepped up in his absence, uh, Sadiq Bey that stepped up in his absence, that are going to be like, okay, now your guys' roles are now diminished now. You guys don't have the same role since Jeremy Grant's back. We're not playing Sadiq at the four anymore. Sadiq's going back to the three. How's that going to affect his scoring? So it's it's really Jeremy Grant coming back. It's all, and, and Kate Cunningham having to adjust. I mean, Killian Hayes, He's out of the starting lineup now because even Dwayne Casey said, we started Killian Hayes at the beginning of the season instead of Corey Joseph because we needed a primary ball handler to help Cade get into the system and into the rotation. But you got to look at it this way as well. Is really Jeremy Grant coming back is basically a tryout for other teams because there's, in my opinion, probably an 85 to 90% chance he gets traded. If it's to Denver, if it's to the Lakers, if it's to – I know, Anthony. You're hoping he gets traded. I, I want him gone. He's. I don't. I don't like his game, personally. But, He's a good but player. Go, I don't like his going, game. Going back to my point, like you really start. You're really starting to see, and I like what you brought up, uh, Coach Bridges, about everyone really finding their role because it really is. Look at how the team has success, has had more success, and they've been more competitive in games lately since Sadiq Bay has switched to the four, and he's really found his role on the team. And what, Jeremy Grant's going to come back for maybe two, three, four weeks max, and then he's going to be out the door again for a trade. And then you really go back to, okay, Sadiq plays playing the four. And I really think moving Hamadou Diallo back to the bench could help the bench. That, by the way, is averaging 42 points in the, in the month of January. They had a really awesome month of January, 79. and it really showed. So do you think it's better if they just don't put Jeremy Grant back in? Because the way you guys are making it sounds – they have a way they're going right now. They got their players doing what they need to do. They have just what they got going right now. And it seems like putting Jeremy Grant back in the mix is just going to mess everything up. That'll cause them to delay even longer. So doesn't it just it make is, more it, sense? It's also going to – it's not going to help Cade either because Cade's one of our primary scorers, and now we bring Jeremy Grant back in. So now we got to decide, are we going to have Cade or Sadiq scoring? Sadiq's had four 30-plus point games this season. Cade Cunningham's coming into his own, find, finding his own shots. But now you have Jeremy Grant coming in who's just going to start chucking up more shots because he need, just needs to get his stats up so he can get that four years, $100 million that he really wants. But quickly, quickly, I want to move into football because there is some breaking news that just broke uh, about a half an hour ago. The GOAT, Tom we Brady. Adam Schefter, his report is true. His credibility was questioned for a minute. Tom Brady has officially retired, and he said that, quote, he wants to – 
He wants his time to focus uh, and his energy and time on other things that require his attention and leave it to the younger generation to take over for him. I yep. think that's smart. I think that's a good choice by him. This younger generation is absolutely insane with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Burrow. They're crazy right now. And hold he up, just, he just won't up, be able to keep up. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Who beat Tom Brady in the playoffs? Matthew Stafford. Yeah. It wasn't a Joe Burrow. It wasn't a Jamar. It wasn't some of these younger guys that beat Tom Brady in the playoffs. It was thirty-something-year-old Matthew Stafford. So let's. Oh, he's not still g- crazy. Matthew Stafford. L- still. Let Let me get to my point, please. <laughs> let me. My point is, let's not count out this old generation. We've in the last three or four years, we've seen Andrew Luck retire. We've seen um, Drew Brees retire. We've seen Tom Brady retire, and we've seen Ben Roethlisberger retire. That's that old generation of football. We still have Matthew Stafford in the league. Let's not count off the Rams. By the way, I got—I know this is off topic. I got the Rams going to the Super Bowl. I got the Rams. I got the Rams in the Super Bowl now, winning it all. Matthew Stafford's played amazing this year. Probably moving from Detroit is the best decision he could have ever made. It wasn't shout really his decision. He yeah, shout, out, shout, out to, <laughs> shout out to shout out to Matthew Stafford for finally shout out to the Lions organization because that mm-hmm. helps both teams. Yep. Think about that. How that help it helps both sides of the deal. But let's go back to my point for a second. This old generation of football versus this new generation of football. You see Patrick Mahomes. You see Josh Allen. You see uh, Joe Burrow. You see Justin Herbert. What do these guys all have in common? Their ability to escape the pocket, their ability to extend the plays. Then you got a Matthew Stafford. You got an Aaron Rodgers, which, by the way, Aaron Rodgers is going to win MVP. I am saying this on February 1st. Aaron Rodgers will win MVP. So my point is that... This old generation of football is not gone yet, even though Tom Brady is retiring. You got any thoughts on Tom Brady retiring? Listen, he was he, we all know he was the GOAT. Uh, let, let's face it. And to your point, Derek, though, that I want to bring up, old generation versus new generation, how consistent has the new generation quarterback actually been? The most consistent we've seen is Joe Burrow, who made it to the Super Bowl this year. In his second Mahomes. year. Okay. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes is consistent. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes has been AFC Championship four years four in a row. Five, yeah. Yep. Okay. Four years. However, you look at all these other young quarterbacks; they're inconsistent, up and down. Even the Chiefs had a bad start this year. The problem with the way that they play the game, and I love watching them play the game this way, is the fact that they're stepping into rules where they're still that athlete that can still chase them down, can still make them make a bad pass, can still force a turnover here and there. These pocket guys that have learned to play the game, like these old generation. You better hope that these young kids take some of that away or else their longevity is not going to be there. All right. Well, that is all we have for today, folks. Special thanks to our guest, Coach Bob Bridges, for stopping in today. Thanks for having me. Tune in Friday. We have uh, Garrett Beaver hosting some Pro Bowl and NFL awards talk. For Derek Steele, Jack Hegerberg, and Coach Bridges, I'm Anthony Schulte. Have a good one, folks.